Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Welcome back to our study of the Gospel according to Matthew. Imagine with me, if you will, that you're sitting in church and uh, the preacher stands up and gets behind the pulpit. Uh, Maybe he opens in prayer and then he begins to tell a story about going to work. Uh, Maybe it's about going to uh, an assembly line, uh, working on a vehicle for a long day, and then he finishes the story. It just seems like a normal story about a guy going to work, and he says, thank you for coming to church today. We'll see you next week. He would say, "What, what kind of a message is this? We didn't get all dressed up, force our kids to get into the van and come all the way here and sit down and just to hear somebody tell a regular story about going to work. But that's something very uh, similar to what Jesus does in a very famous passage in Matthew 13. People have come to hear him preach the word of God, and he stands up and he tells them a story about a farmer who goes and sows. And uh, some of the seed does well, some of the seed does mediocre, but uh, still kind of fails in the end. And then some of the seed actually grows up and he gets what he wants. And then Jesus finishes by simply saying, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Sermon's over. This is one of the fascinating features about parables is that they can be so opaque, uh, so difficult to understand and see through. And Jesus will explain in our text for today why he speaks in parables. And the very explanation about why he speaks in parables itself will give us important information about what the parable actually means. We're going to be talking in this episode about uh, the parable of the sower. Now, this is a story that has received all sorts of different explanations. What I say here in this uh, episode will probably not be, in fact, it certainly will not be the final word on on the subject. It's fascinating to think about the different ways that it's been taken. Um, it seems like so many people, no matter what theological perspective they have, uh, seem to think that the parable of the sower is on their side. And one of the reasons it can be so flexible is, well, because of the nature of a parable and that it has so many undefined elements. Now, before I read through Matthew 13, 1 through 23, uh, keep your eye out for Jesus' own explanation. There are certain elements which he says, this represents this and this represents this. Specifically, keep your eye out for the seed, the ground, and its results. But also keep your eye out for the things that are not specified. Particularly, uh, we're going to spend a lot of time thinking about what the fruit, what the growth actually represents. So let's listen carefully to this fascinating story in Matthew 13, 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. 
But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Well, let's go back and revisit this um, fascinating parable and think about what things Jesus specifically does say to us. It's clear that the seed represents the word. However, it doesn't just represent the word of God, like someone were to preach a sermon on a psalm, but specifically the word of the kingdom, the message about the kingdom of God, uh, which he's been talking so much about in the book of Matthew. He then uh, explains what each of the soils represent. Uh, There are some people um, who, uh, well, they they hear this message about the kingdom, uh, but nothing else happens because the evil one comes and uh, takes it away. Uh, That evil one being, of course, Satan himself. The rocky ground represents uh, the situation of people who are in persecution because of the word, and they don't have the endurance necessary to just hang in there. And so uh, they give up. And then he explains that people who are in the thorny ground are people who kind of have the exact opposite problem. Uh, They get the word, they hear it, but um, instead of having persecution, they have the desire to... um, 
have a lot of money and wealth, and because of that, the comforts of this world uh, make them unfruitful. And only the last person hears and receives and produces uh, what is expected. Now, some people really zoom in on uh, whether or not the second and third kinds of ground actually receive the word. Now, we're not specifically told that the third kind, the thorny ground, does. We're told that the rocky ground does actually receive it. But in my opinion, that's neither here nor there. The idea is that the seed falls, it goes into the earth, this represents reception, but yet not with the desired uh, results. Now, one of the important symbols that people often neglect to attend to is the nature of what is fruit. We can't just assume that we understand this symbol. What is it that is expected for the plants to produce? Uh, Some people see it as salvation. Uh, Some people see fruit or hear fruit and they think of good works, the things that we're supposed to be doing, witnessing or being kind to others or the fruit of the Spirit even or something like that. But as we look at the text, there's really not a whole lot here in Matthew 13 to um, compel this kind of interpretation. Instead, let me point out to you that one of the major features in the parable of the sower is the concern for knowledge and understanding. Um, He specifically says in verse 9, after he initially gives the parable, whoever has ears, let him hear. Being at the very end of the parable, this is an important interpretive key. The whole thing is about hearing and understanding and really getting what Jesus is trying to say. Let me point also that the structure of this parable reinforces the importance of uh, listening and understanding. You've got the telling of the parable, then you have this whole bit about why Jesus speaks in parable, and then only after that you get the interpretation of the parable. This is called a sandwich structure, and the idea is that um, if you're going to bite into the bread, you also then have to get the meat. Uh, the, The bit in the middle is necessary information for really understanding the things that surround it. Now, let me tell you why I point that out to you. It's because, uh, What's in the middle, why Jesus speaks in parables, is all about who gets to know what's happening with the kingdom of God. That's the whole thrust of what's happening with the citation from Isaiah 6. That means that that should be on the forefront of our minds when we're trying to figure out what does this parable actually mean. mean. It's all about who actually gets to understand. Let's turn our attention then to that center section. The disciples ask him, so why do you speak in parables? He says, because it's to you, not to all the other people who are crowding around him on the shore, that get to know actually the truth about the kingdom of God. So they are the ones who are like the seed that produces 30, 60, 100 fold uh, results. Whereas the people standing on the shore that don't bother to ask Jesus are like the other kinds of soil. Let me just point out one more thing that... um, reinforces the centrality of understanding as as the main idea of this parable. Of course, what comes before chapter 13 is, well, chapter 12. And in our last episode, we talked a lot about how some people can see all the evidence of the kingdom's arrival, and yet they'll blame it on the work of Satan. And we have a responsibility to pursue wisdom, like uh, the Queen of the South or the people of Nineveh, to listen carefully to what God is saying. 
And um, even before that, we talked about how God alone is the one who can give out uh, revelation. Uh, No one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom he will reveal him. So if we've been tracking with what Matthew has been saying uh, for the past several verses, he's been talking about this theme of who can really understand the mysterious nature of what is happening with the kingdom of God. It's important for us to put ourselves in the shoes or the sandals of somebody first experiencing all of these things. They thought uh, that they had the kingdom of God pretty much figured out. It's when God would come and would destroy the enemies and make everything right. But there was a lot that they didn't understand. A lot of people could hear Jesus' central proclamation, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, and figure that they basically knew more or less what what God was doing. And maybe they could get on board for a little while. But then uh, things start to look hard. And it doesn't look like God's kingdom really is coming. And so they just give up on the whole thing and maybe conclude that Jesus was wrong or that they just aren't interested in pursuing this any further. However, the kingdom is profoundly mysterious. In some ways it's here, in some ways it isn't. And to, the, to us, this seems obvious. But to people first going through it, it would have been incredibly uh, mysterious. For them to actually arrive at an understanding would, would require incredible stamina and perseverance. And that is what Jesus is compelling his readers to with this parable. It might be helpful to think of John the Baptist in this regard. After all, he was just brought up a, a couple chapters ago. Um, John the Baptist had the message of the kingdom. And in fact, he preached the message of the kingdom, but it wasn't exactly what he thought it would be. And instead, persecution arose. And we could easily imagine someone in John's situation just giving up. That would be like someone who's on the rocky ground because he doesn't understand the message of the kingdom. Instead, John is uh, like the the last uh, kind of soil who perseveres through that difficulty and really gets what's actually going on. Even today, there are some spiritual truths uh, which people don't just get right away necessarily. But these spiritual truths are so important, they demand our time and our attention. Maybe you don't understand concepts like the kingdom of God, Jesus, sin, redemption. Well, nothing is more important than these things. Pass on your hobbies or the opportunity to take uh, overtime, to get a promotion. Uh, Nothing is more important than figuring these things out. You must produce the fruit that Jesus demands. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.